Amen. Thank you, Mike. God bless you. What a blessing to see you on today and um, be in the house of the Lord once again. I'm excited for about what God is doing, has done, and is going to do. I always have an expectation. Amen. I think it's good to always look for something more when it comes to God. Well, we've been in a sermon series called Investing in the Kingdom. And um, John started it off with investing your money. And um, Kevin came along and shared a little bit more about that. And then um, Pastor Kelly, our community life pastor, came and shared with investing in our community, our local community here, which was very good. Well, I'm going to deal with doing an investing in an outward focus, outward focus, meaning investing in more than just our local community here. Believe it or not, there's more people in the world than just us. Amen. And um, we want to deal with that because I believe it has a lot to do with us being followers of Christ. Uh-huh. And so I want to start by sharing or discussing why it is important to have an outward focus and give that importance. Pray with me before I go there. Father, in Jesus' name, bless us here in this service. Give us what we need to hear what you have to say to us today. We thank you and we give you the praise. Uh-huh. I pose the question, why is it important to have an outward focus? Well, I believe it helps promote um, connection to God, others, and even self. It helps promote connection to God, others, and even self. Well, I have an example of that. I was born in the Baptist church, then I grew up in Pentecost church, and uh, through the years, been in different, different denominations, and it's been fun. Um, I eventually came to the vineyard, Mercy Vineyard, exactly, and when I came, it was a challenge because, obviously, the vineyard don't have church like the Pentecostal people. <laughs> and the Pentecostal people have church a little different, you understand. Well, not only was it the Pentecostal, but it was a bunch of African Americans. And in the vineyard, y'all have a bunch of Caucasians. So it was different for me. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do this? He said he wanted me to continue to go. I said, okay, I can do that. Well, you have to understand it was a challenge because I was used to a certain way of worshiping. Well, first of all, when the service started, you have a, what they call a song service. You may call it worship. And about 45 minutes or so, Josh, they're praising God and shouting and tearing up the chairs and rolling all over the place. And they certainly ain't sitting here looking like y'all sitting here today. Amen. <laughs> and eventually they had, had me to lead them in such a time. 
time. Aha. Uh -huh. And so, with that, amen, I realized that this would be different. Yeah. So, for example, I'm going to show you a little bit of what they did. Y'all don't mind if, we, if I run you to give you a little exercise. Some, you know I like examples because it sticks with you. So, when I would say in the Pentecostal church, praise the Lord, well, they pray, they clap their hands and do all kinds of things. Well, now, we're going to do that today. Whenever y'all hear me say praise the Lord, I want you to respond with clapping your hands, saying hallelujah, doing whatever to express yourself. Can you do that? All right. So you never know what I'm going to say during the service, so be ready. But whenever I say it, I want you to respond. That's the way it worked over there. So let's practice real quick. Praise the Lord. All right. All right. Okay. Well, y'all remember that. Well, back to my story. So when I came back, came over here to the vineyard, uh, everything was done a little different. Well, it would have been a little out of place for me to be rolling on the floor over there at the Waterbury building at the vineyard. They, they might have put me out. So I don't know. <laughs> but that wasn't, the expression was different. You see? And everything, the worship style, the preaching style, even the expressions of the people, the color of the people, everything was different for me. But the Lord told me to continue to go. And I remember uh, I was having, I had just led one of the services there, worship services set, and everybody was just, you know, sitting around like you're doing now. But the Lord said, did you notice? I said, what did I notice? He said, the same spirit that you felt in that Pentecostal church, you feel it now. I said, well, now that's true. It's just the expression is different, but my spirit is the same. Well, at that moment, it made God bigger to me. You understand? He became bigger to me right within that moment. To understand that he just didn't exist in my little box, in my four walls. You understand? But all of that came with that outward focused position. That it doesn't just, everything ain't just about me and the way I think things should go. But it made God bigger and it made people people. Because sometimes if you're not careful, when you stay in that box, you would have a tendency to make people more than what they should be. But me uh, engaging in a different movement, it allowed me to realize that God isn't just over there in the Pentecostal people. He's everywhere to those that call on his name. Amen. And that excited me because I realized he was bigger than even me. So if he's that big, then my God, who knows what I can ask him for. So it encouraged me even more. Now that's coming from a place of having an outward focus. That's one of the importance of it. Now, um, there's four questions I want to pose to help you to evaluate um, 
yourself in outward focus and help you align your spirit with this particular position, if you will. All right, the first question I would like to ask is what is, or I would ask myself, I want you to ask yourself, what is my faith? And the answer is, over there in ask, asks one in seven, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I believe in that. How many believe in that? <laughs> I believe in this Christ and that I can now be a witness to what I've experienced. That's my faith. Question number two, what is my purpose? The answer, I believe, is over there in Matthews 22, 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is your first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's my purpose. Uh-huh. Third question, who am I? <laughs> well, now that answer, you answer yourself with the Lord. Who am I? Well, my name is Tommy Wesley, African-American descent according to America. And I have talents. I'm gifted in areas. I'm a leader. That's who I am. I just chose to love people and to have this faith. That's who I am. And so then I asked myself, um, how can I apply who I am how can I apply my faith and purpose through who I am with these particular things that I am? Now, these are the questions that you can help evaluate yourself. Um, who are you, Josh? What's your name? I just said it. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about more. What do you do? You're a musician, father. That's who you are. Okay. Some, yes, you're a good father. You're good. Oh, you're a son of God. Okay. Bless your heart. Tell us about it. Uh -huh. And who are you, darling? Stand up and tell us about yourself. Come on up. Come up here. I want to know who you are. That's what happened when you sit in the front in front of Tommy in Tommy services. Go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Leah. Um, I am a white woman. I, I mean, to be fair, if you're calling yourself out, you should probably call mine out. Uh, I, um, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and we're a college campus ministry on a lot of different campuses, about 10 here in the Twin Cities. And I get to empower students to be able to figure out what it means, these, like, these questions that we're asking ourselves today, that's the conversations that I get to do every single day. How do we live out our faith? And how, um, how, do, we, how, do, we, how do we care for ourselves inwardly? And then how do we push that outwards? And uh, I get to invite you guys to consider volunteering with InterVarsity. This was a, he punted. He did this for me. 
<laughs> but I, there'll be a table. Um, but uh, with uh, we're hosting, we, Mercy Church, is hosting uh, the Black Christian Ministries Conference for our InterVarsity students. And it's a regional conference. And we need volunteers to come and serve our students, to pray with our students, and to uh, give food. So if you, if you have a Costco membership, come and talk to me. If you want to pray, and if you know how to use the coffee machines, like, I need you guys. So um, I'll be in the back, and uh, you can figure out how to do, like, a little tiny baby step outwards into what it looks like to uh, pursue your faith. Well, thank you, darling. Amen. Does it look like I planned that? <laughs> you go and meet her. Amen. <laughs> she needs some more volunteers. Contact me. Email me or um, her and meet her back there. And we would love to. Well, what they're going to be doing is praying for them, those college kids of African-American um, who's in college. But they're trying to live out these particular things we're talking about. So we want to be here to pray for them. Um, and minister to their needs. I thought that was another way to be outward focused. Yeah. How do I apply my faith and my purpose to who I am? So you don't have to make up something. And, you know, if it's out of your um, personality, certain things is out of your range, that's just not who I am, that's okay. There is something in you. You take with what is in you and you, control, you apply that. And say, how could I serve? What could I bring to the table? One of the other things that we did through what I did, for an example, um, I ex used my talents and connections in the city to host an event here at Mercy a few years ago called Let's Come Together. That event was focusing on bringing different expression, expressions as far as race is concerned in one room to worship God. And to have such an experience. Now, Fox News came out and covered it. It was awesome. And they ran it all year. They didn't know the Dan, um, he goes here. He works for Fox. He didn't know if they was going to do it or not and run it. And I said, they're going to run it because, you know, I'm Tommy. Amen. And so not only did they ran it, they, they, they allowed live footage and they ran it that entire weekend. And they did it again the next year. And it was just really, really awesome. So we're going to share that video with you right now of what they did that year and what they ran on Fox News. As I watch the news often, I see a lot of division in the country um, amongst all types of people, races, uh, even religion. With all the, the things that are going on with the division, the racism, the just different stuff that's happening in our world right now, we really need God to just heal our land. Well, gospel music has been a age-old healer. was birthed through slavery, but they would sing these spiritual hymns and it was soothing to their souls and to their hearts and, and their spirits. And it helped them to endure through those hard times. Tonight, a whole lot of people are gonna praise God and there's gonna be very little disagreement about what we wanna praise about God. understanding that I can take my life to a higher level. I don't have to major on the minor. 
I believe there's more than music that is just happening. You know, uh, I believe the spirit of God can rest on music. It's like the music is the, the vehicle. But the spirit of God is really what's doing the work. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, where there's unity, there's strength. Tonight is a picture or a portrait of what we believe heaven will be. There's not going to be sections in heaven as we believe there will be. Like here's a white section or a black section or a Latino section or whatever. No, we're going to be together. We're stronger and we're better together. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? <laughs> Happened here, amen, and I thought that it was another way to express ourselves through worship, but also connection. And it just makes God bigger. Let me check and see if y'all listening. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh, that's it. You must have been to a Pentecostal church. I thought, okay. See, he knows how to act. It ain't just black people over there. Uh-huh. God bless you. Now listen, we have another young lady. She's from Real Hope. She's here today. And um, she's going to talk about their program. And this is another form of outward focus that you can participate in. Her name is Casey. Let's give her a hand as she comes and share with us this morning. There are children on the hills. In the ancient world, any child that could not be cared for by his or her family, any child that was declared dispensable, whether because they were a financial burden, or because they were sick or disabled, or simply because she was a girl at a time when girls were not valued, the family had the option of taking their child to the hills. And when they got to the hillside, they would lay the child on the ground and walk away knowing and intending that within minutes or hours or days, this child would be a victim of the elements. There were children on the hills. This was not a rarity. This was not a scandal. In the ancient world, this was common, accepted, and expected. And then came Jesus. Then the church started sending search parties to head for the hills. These search parties would sweep through the hillside, looking for the kids who had been left behind. They would search through the wilderness for deserted children, and when they found one, they would bring them home and adopt them into their new family. In fact, the early church was filled with women because so many baby girls were brought home when the church would head for the hills. In the United States, there are 400,000 kids in the foster care system. One in four cannot go home. That means that there are 100,000 kids on the hillside. 100,000 kids are waiting for someone to come for them. 100,000 kids are waiting for a search party. We are that search party. These are the forgotten ones. These are the deserted ones. 
These are the ones who have been told that they are dispensable. It's time again. There are children on the hills. Well, good morning, Mercy. Like Tommy said, my name is Casey Stanley. I'm the founder and director of the Real Hope Project. And Real Hope really came from this experience that my husband and I had throughout our, have had throughout our marriage, where when we would tell people that we wanted to adopt kids, almost always the reaction we would get would be like, oh, that's so great. You should do that. And we love that. That's a great reaction. But we found that if we add three magic words to the end of that statement, we would sometimes get a pretty different reaction. And those three magic words are from foster care. When we would tell people that we wanted to adopt kids from foster care, sometimes, for sure not all the time, but sometimes the reaction we would get would be more like, ooh, are you sure about that? Have you heard the stories about those kids? Have you done your research? Do you know what those kids are like? And obviously that reaction comes from a place of love, right? And people just want to know that we know what we're getting into. And the truth is, we have sat and we have cried with families that have gone through unthinkable pain through their foster care and adoption journeys. Unimaginable pain. And those stories are out there and they're scary. We just walked through this process ourselves. Last year we adopted our first son, a 13-year-old, now 14-year-old boy, and he's amazing. But it was a scary process. Of course it's scary. But we realized walking through it that, man, this is scary for us, but it is not nearly as scary for us as it is for these kids. And it's not nearly as scary for us as, as it is for what happens when kids don't get adopted out of foster care. You guys, it's estimated that up to 80% of people in our prison systems in the United States have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 80% of women who are sex trafficked in the United States have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 20% of kids who age out of foster care without being adopted become immediately homeless the day after they turn 18. Two-thirds of the girls who age out will be pregnant by the time they're 21, and two-thirds of those babies will end up right back in foster care. You guys, we as the church, we as the people of God, can address like almost every issue our nation is facing if kids in our communities have Jesus and family. And if kids in our communities have Jesus and family, we make a serious impact on incarceration rates, sex trafficking, homelessness, teen pregnancy, all of it. But healing for these kids begins with Jesus and family. Now hear me clearly on this. What I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that if your family loves Jesus, then you can bring a kid who's been through significant trauma into your home, and as soon as that kid walks through the door, they're just gonna like be a little angel. Probably not. <laughs> Without a miracle, probably not. These kids have been through more pain in their short little lives than most of us in this room can even imagine. And they will be difficult at times. These kids will be challenging at times. But guess what, church? So are we. <laughs> and God adopted us anyway. Let's not think for one second that our adoption as sons and daughters of God came without challenges. Our adoption came through blood, church. Our adoption came through sacrifice. 
And yet our God says we were worth it. Now, as you just heard, in the United States, there are over 100,000 kids who are waiting to be adopted. A thousand of those kids are right here in the state of Minnesota. I'm going to introduce you to one of those kids right now. This is my new friend, Sebastian. I like to go fishing. I like to build forts. I like to go four-wheeling. And basically, I like to just play with friends. I want to be, probably go deep-sea fishing in a boat. The thing that I like about fishing just being patient and just waiting for something big to come by. Just hoping. I'm smart. Uh, I'm actually really good at math, and I know how to do multiplication. What I look for in a friend is somebody that I can trust, somebody that I know doesn't do bad stuff, and somebody that likes to go fishing and do like fun stuff. My friends would say about me that I'm funny. I like to do weird stuff, like jump in the puddles in the mud where it's soaking the wet out. Oh, that would be My favorite animal is the penguin. They just like to waddle, and they just like to eat fish, like save their babies, and like save the world. Family is happiness, joyful. Celebrating the holidays, decorating your house, you go trick-or-treating. What a parent's job is to do is, it's just to keep him loved, care for him, keep him safe, keep him active. The kind of adventures that a family should go on is basically, sometimes they should go on bike rides, they should go on vacation every once in a while, they should go fishing, camping or something maybe. Sometimes maybe have a bonfire or s'mores. My dream family would be a dad that likes to go fishing, go snowmobiling, and go on adventures, going everywhere, just being active. If I could have one superpower, my superpower would be getting a family. My name is Sebastian, I'm 12 years old, and this is my reel. Yeah, isn't he awesome? That's Sebastian. Somebody take that kid fishing. <laughs> Sebastian lives here in Minnesota, and he's been waiting for a family for a long time. And he lives in a state where there are 4,000 churches. 1,000 kids waiting to be adopted. 4,000 churches. So guys, we don't need every family to adopt a kid from foster care. We don't even need every church to adopt a kid from foster care. We need one family in every four churches to adopt one kid, and we will have no more orphans in the state of Minnesota. That is a doable goal, you guys. We are the people of God. That is a doable goal for us. So our goal at Real Hope is to make a video like Sebastian's for every kid in our state who's waiting to be adopted. And then we bring those videos around to churches every Sunday, and we invite the people of God to pray and dream and talk about adopting kids from foster care. So this morning, I want to ask you to pray about doing one of these three things. Adopt, village, or give. Number one, adopt. Go on our website and just meet some kids. See if God stirs anything in your heart. We'll have kid videos that are looping on these iPads out in the lobby all morning. Just come and grab some headphones and meet some kids. 
And by the way, sometimes I think that people are kind of scared <laughs> to come to the table because I think that maybe you think that we are going to like trick you <laughs> into signing adoption paperwork, <laughs> which if that were possible, we would do that. <laughs> but it's a pretty long process. It'd be hard to trick you for that long. So just come to the table, meet some kids. Now, maybe you're not called to adopt. That's okay. Maybe you're just not in a place in life where that's doable right now. That's okay. Then be a part of a village. Every foster and adoptive family needs a village of people who will come around them with practical support, prayer, encouragement, offer to babysit, stop by with dinner. Every foster and adoptive family needs a village to come around them. So if you can't adopt, then be a part of a village. And if you can't adopt and you can't village, then give. Everything we do as an organization costs money. We travel around the state to get to these kids and we travel around the state to share their stories. And we can only do that because of the generosity of people like you. And by the way, we are so thankful for every penny that comes in. We really are. But as an organization, we survive off of our monthly givers. So if you would pray about giving $20 a month, $50 a month, whatever you're able to do helps us to get to these kids, share more stories, and find more families. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now where you're sitting. I'm going to ask you to grab your cell phone. Pull out your phone. And open up a text message to this phone number up on the screen. 952 486 8871. And then I'm going to ask you to text in one of those three words, adopt, village, or give, whichever one connects with you, if any of them do. Adopt, village, or give. Go ahead and text that in. And then it's going to prompt you for two answers. It's just going to ask you for your name and your email address. And then all that's going to happen is when you get home today, in your inbox, there's going to be an email with some more information about whatever word you texted in. That's it. So go ahead and text in adopt, village, or give. Respond to those two prompts. Let's make sure that every kid in our state has a family. And together, you guys, let's head for the hills. Thanks. Being a man to desire or taking the position to be more outward focused. And these are just little examples. Now, the Lord may speak to you to do other things and either connect to these different things that we've shared with you today. But we don't want it to just be um, another sermon, but rather a commission that, oh, you want me to actually do something. Uh-huh. And this helps. Remember what I said, promotes connection to God others and even self there's an awareness that came out of me when I realized God is bigger than what I even had perceived which makes it all greater and makes my relationship with him even stronger that's right so you pray and we'll pray with you and I let the Lord lead you so at this time I want the worship band to come and we're going to go into a time of worship, um, doing worship at each corner of the room. There is communion. You can go and take it at any time. We just ask that you would be a follower of Christ. The orphan bucket will come by. Don't feel obligated to give if you're a guest. We're just glad that you're here, although we would appreciate any gift in Jesus' name. So how many love the Lord? Amen. Oh, yes. Well, yes.